defends them dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyf, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby league. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Supercoach Playbook podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. This is part two of a two-parter two that we've done as a champion special with 2019 winner Des Creek and runner-up Walson Carlos. Had a really good chat last week about a few things from how their, their 29 seasons unfolded and how they got to, to where they finished at the end of the season. Uh, we'll continue that chat on this week. They speak about their tactics throughout the year, some trade advice they've got, plenty of stuff like that, and a really cool story coming up straight away. Uh, guys, we've had all free content throughout the, the postponed season to hopefully give people something to look forward to and something to read and get them by, even if it has been a little bit difficult. Um, but subscriptions will kick off again in another another week or so. We'll start locking some content to subscribers only. $30 for the NRL package if you're interested. That'll get you through to the end of the Supercoach season, obviously. $40 for the NRL and Big Bash uh, subscription for that package, which goes through to the end of the Big Bash, obviously, at the start of next season. Um, so plenty of plenty of stuff there. So if you're interested, jump onto that. If you have any questions for us, any feedback, jump onto our socials at SC Playbook One. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and love any advice you've got for us, anything that we can do to make the product better for you. Um, but anyway, for now, let's get back to the guys and start off from where we left off last week in part two of the Champion Special. Lads, get onto the real, real good stuff of this podcast. You'd, you'd been talking to each other for a long time, since around seven or eight, you said. You'd gained a lot of trust in each other. Uh, getting tight, you were one and two or one and three or something. Des, what happened from here? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously in such a privileged spot. Uh, one and two, three rounds left. We, I don't know, we, we built up so much trust and respect over a few months of talking every day, pretty much. Uh, so we decided to write up a contract coming into the last three rounds, basically just saying that if one of us wins, then they'll pay the person who doesn't win a percentage of the winnings, just a sort of insurance policy. Gold. Mate, and how'd you get it here to height? Uh, well, I think Walson's brother was a, a lawyer, and my mom's also a lawyer, so we, we got them onto it, looked it over, looked over all pretty much all the terms and conditions on the Supercoach website, make sure we weren't breaking any sort of rules. But obviously we had to explain in the, in the contract that it, it wasn't going to affect what trades we were going to make, you know? So, like, we were hedging the money, not our trades, pretty much. So it wasn't, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was definitely something, something that, looking back on it, was a very good decision to make. Yeah, well, so when, when that came up in conversation, however that started, you must have just been going, look, if I can lock in a decent chunk of money here, it's a no-brainer. Oh, we talked about it all the time, you know, like, oh, not all the time, because really until the last eight or nine weeks, it never really materialised as, you know, we're going to win some money for this, yeah. or someone's actually a chance of, yeah, I think both of us were such super coach fans that it was more the prestige of actually winning the title of super coach that attracted us more. And then as it got closer, it was like, geez, you know, there's 50 grand for first and five grand for second. And we just had some chat and said, geez, you know, like it's pretty stiff. 
second place getting five grand and first getting 50 it's a massive drop and and then we just said like speculatively i don't don't even know if we were first or second at the time but we said oh you know well what do you reckon uh if we were first and second like would you would you hedge and and i said yeah i'll probably look at it you know like to just thinking that i you know you, you never try to get too far ahead of yourself and and um anyway then it came down closer to it and we started to talk about it more seriously and you know throw around a few figures oh what do you think it'd be a fair amount and like if you won and that type of thing and yeah we just we just sort of said like it's not going to affect the way we play because both of us still want to win it we want to win the prestige and, and you know we never we never made it we, we still made it that you know the largest chunk of money was obviously going to be the person who won it um it was only just sort of um you know we just say to the person whoever came second or you know at the time we were like we we could we could go into this agreement and we we were fully aware of it and neither of us could win it you know like and so it's it doesn't yeah you've got 120,000 other players that that can win it but obviously at the time there was probably only 10 or 15 that were in striking distance but um you know if one of us came we just came up with this idea and said yep let's do this and it was a bit surreal at the time but the funny thing about it was is um we've been talking for so long and and then one of des's mates must have got wind of it um that we were thinking about hedging and uh, he started like putting these really weird posts on facebook like oh you know you you don't uh like des had put something on on like one of the forums and he'd say oh come on des you don't even own the team and you know we know that you're you're a fake owner of the team and it, and it sort of spooked me a fair bit and i went back to des and i'm like what's this bloke on about who was that does he oh i don't know i, I don't <laughs> want to name names <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't want to out him but whoever it was like and like i said mate like oh you know like it just made me think you know we, i've never met this lad like so, you know, we've always been chatting um, over the message. But at the time, we'd done a f few podcasts together. So, and it was the same person every time. And he was talking about his team and it was the same person that had come out in the messages. But it just made you think. Um, it made me think twice. And then um, we got through that. And, yeah, we come up with an agreement. And I, I felt a bit better after that. But in saying that, um, at the time we made the agreement, Des was ahead by I think maybe like sixty or seventy points. Yeah, and, 70 yeah. yeah and, and I think that same week it, it was it was the same week that he traded out. Oh no, it might have been a couple of weeks later, but um, the week after um, I had a really big round and he had an off round, and I went to being ahead by maybe. I don't know, 50 or something with a, with two rounds to go. So, um, and like a few people were saying to me, oh, do you wish you didn't hedge? And I was like, no, no, I'm totally, I feel totally fine with the way it goes down and, and stuff like that. And Des got some good advice from um, one of the guys on the forum and about how much it would be fair at the time that we did it and things like that. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But I think most people, if they had, that opportunity and in our position would do the same thing because we weren't there was no way we could manipulate the game um, to stop anyone else from winning and we were always trying to win ourselves um, as a first thing but it was just like well 
um, maybe making a little bit fairer for second um, if we did come second. Yeah, mate, I think you're lucky that you, you'd had that relationship over such a long period that you could get that sort of trust in place, get the contract written up. But I think you're right. Anyone in their right mind, if they have a chance to lock in that bit extra cash in a game that um, is so volatile and anything can happen, mate, you'd be taking it if you can. Yeah, well, it, you know, like people were even saying to me after I had, like I, I, I didn't tell very many people. I was only talking to some people that were close to me and, they were like, oh, even though you got the contract and when when I came second and that, they were like, well, do you think you'll pay? Because the, the gap, as you know, Timmy, yourself, you know, you, you don't get the money for two or three weeks. Um, the, the prize money doesn't come through for two or hey, three I haven't, weeks. I haven't won the comp before. I've no idea how long it takes you. Okay, no, but I meant... Uh, you, a little dig. <laughs> you, you worked at... Um, with the daily telly and that, so I just thought you would you, you knew that, but um, yeah, it takes you a couple of weeks, and then you know you sort of um, and then and like my my, my uh, people who were close to me were going, oh, are you still talking to this bloke, like, or has he sort of stopped talking? Yeah, gone off the radar. Like, no, nah, nah, it's all good. Like, I, I trusted um, Des, and you know he was a real good bloke about it, and yeah, like um, hopefully at some stage. When I get down to Sydney in the future, we can catch up and have a beer and that. Hey, there'll be about a thousand beers when you get yourself down to Sydney. Get you down to game of footy when it all starts up again and we can actually go and watch it. Yeah, it seems like a long way away at the moment. But um yeah, it was it it was just um it was just really sort of weird the way it worked out. I mean, um it, the funny thing is, after 22 rounds, um, I went back on some of our messages and, and Des said to me, oh, you know, like, you've just killed the captains, eh? Like, I, I worked out, Des said, I've worked out all my captains and my captains averaged 81.5 points over, you know, over that 22 rounds until where we were up to. And he said, "You why don't you average out your captains and, um, and see what they averaged? And my captains averaged 100 hundred point three six, um, and I, yeah. yeah, and I looped three times. So when you loop, I mean, you're obviously going to have a big score. But like you said, I, I'm a big proponent of the VC loop, um, and you know, carrying some of um, rather than carrying players that are going to score low and um, you know be slow burners and make your money in the long run. I'd rather. Uh, it's in, at some points I'd rather carry a nuffed-out player so I could possibly use the VC loop. Yeah, for sure, mate. Um, and on your captains, there's a few questions about your captains and really interesting that you said that. We know you, you, you utilise the loop. Are you, are you someone who will go for a risky captain or do you play it pretty safe? I think it's dependent on what time of the year. Like early in the year I tended to make – some pretty risky or um, decisions. Like I remember in round two, I think it was, um, I captained Nakora. Now, Nakora, it, it, that might not sound that outrageous um, after we've seen what he'd done for a year, but he was a rookie player and he'd only played one game, but I got one look at him running outside Sean Johnson and I thought, geez, I like the look at this because Johnson could skip, he could skip, and draw a player in and Nakora would just hit that gap on the outside of him and it just seemed perfect. And and I think in that game he got about 90. Um, it was large. I think it might have 
it was relevant because I think a lot of people had Teddy and Turbo and they didn't start that fast. Um, there might have been a few players that got up there, but that was pretty handy early on. Um, I remember one night, like, people sort of forget, you You know, you're living your life as well and i got kids and I'm going to sport and they play basketball, they play touch footy and one night I forgot, I just left my um, captain on Damien Cook you know, and just forgot about it and he was playing Thursday or Friday night and I thought, I th- actually, I, I was doing something, I might have been having a couple of beers, but I um, I just totally thought that I'd taken it off him for some reason, but I went back and had a look and I and it, I was talking to Desi, so it must have been after round eight, and, um, yeah, it turned out that I'd left it on Damien Cook and he got 100 and he got over 100, so I was pretty happy with that. I got really lucky there. But, yeah, I, I would, like like with the Munster thing, they it, it can go for you or it can backfire as well. So some people believe in always always going, um, you know, the obvious player, but I'm, I'm not really like that. I think it's match-up dependent. I think I look at the weather, which I think is a big thing. I don't like going full-backs in that when it's raining um, or attacking players when it's raining. And um, I just look at teams that they match up well against, like the Broncos and South Sydney are top eight, top four teams um, that – I always like playing my players against because I feel like they play a more open style of game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you've got your obvious ones like the Titans and, and that type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that Nakora game, that is so ballsy. Like, putting it on a rookie and I'm with you. The way he looked outside of SJ was just unbelievable. But to put it in context for people who don't remember, I got Nakora, I think, round after round three or four from our waiver wire in draft. No one even wanted him because it was just like he was so irrelevant. So it was a massive play to put it on him. Uh, Dad, your captain, what's your approach to captains? Yeah, I actually kind of say, I'd, I'd say that I'm completely the opposite direction. Like I started with super safe captains pretty much every week. Like I'd have it on Andrew Fafita quite a, quite a bit, had it on Cook. As soon as I brought him in, I think the first risky captain that I took was Ponga, actually. I think it was Ponga against maybe the Titans. I can't recall. But he, he scored about 90, but it was it was the week that Cook got like 140 or 150. So I felt a bit hard done by when I risked it on Ponga. But, yeah, I, I started getting a bit more risky towards midway through the season, I'd say. I started... Uh, throwing it on Teddy, um, on who else? I, I threw it on Smith a few times as well, which, which I guess was safe. Um, and then Turbo at the end, I, I guess you'd say he's a risky captain, even though he's averaging, he was rolling average about 100. But yeah, I threw it on him against the Warriors. I remember it was a, yeah, like, like Wilson said, it was the rain that absolutely crippled that game. I remember it very clearly. He scored about 40. He was lucky to get that as well. He got a try assist, I think, right at the end. But, yeah, the rain was definitely a huge thing you have to look at, especially if you're captaining backs. But normally Turbo, yeah, he's normally, you'd say he's pretty safe. But now I've I've decided he's quite a risky captain in the future, especially if it's raining. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, I'll throw a question at both of you again. In, really interested to, uh, I'm interested in getting the thoughts of all past champions, runners-up, whatever we're calling it, on this one. 
and it is a hard one to put a number to, but having been there and won it, runner-up, what what percentage, Des, of Supercoach do you think winning it is luck and how much of it is knowledge? Um, Dan, don't feel like you're being arrogant by saying it's a big number of knowledge, but like, what's the what's the split, do you think? Uh before winning it, I would say it's 50-50. But after winning it, I'd say it's maybe 80-20. In favor. 80% knowledge, 20% luck. Yeah. Wilson, what do you reckon? Yeah, I've thought about this one quite a bit. Um, just, you know, my own thoughts. I, I sort of liken it to the World Series of Poker um, because I watched, you know, the Texas Hold'em and that. I think there's players that out of the 150,000 players who play, there's players that come into it and they're probably like just a minor, minor chance of winning, like almost like a puncher's chance of winning. But there's it's such a big field that I think that there's players with a certain skill set and knowledge and understanding of the game um, that are a good chance uh, are a lot better chance of winning it if things go their way. Um, but you need things to go your way. You need, because you're not, essentially you're not controlling it. You, it's just basically you're predicting what you think will happen. Um, I think it's suited to mathematically minded people. If you can combine that, if that mathematics with um, mathematical sort of knowledge or interest with uh, a knowledge of footy, uh, I think that you know you give you, you give yourself the best chance of winning it. I think you can. I think a mathematical person that is just a footy fan is a better chance of winning it than someone who's a die-hard footy fan but doesn't really buy into the mathematical side of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's you've got to separate the two things, isn't it? You if you're a die-hard rugby league fan who knows the ins and outs of it almost too well. It can be hard to separate the supercoach side of it with, you know, your knowledge of the game and thinking, oh, this should be happening because of this and this. You just go, well, look, the numbers are telling me this, my footy brain's telling me this, and then I suppose it's probably about finding the balance in the two, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, when you look at it, I like I look at games because um, I come from a background of, you know, junior development and um, into the sort of. Uh, done a little bit in the semi-professional side of things and and sort of been, always been a student of the game. But you look at a player like, say, a Jazz Tabunga, and now a coach would look at him and go, well, he probably makes too many leg, legs tackles and things like that. But when you look at it from a super coach point of view, it it doesn't matter whether you make a legs tackle and they get a quick play of the ball on the back of it. It's it, it, All that matters is they make – 60 tackles a game because you're going to get 60 points for it, if that makes sense. So it's it's purely you're not looking at um, the nuances of how it affects whether a team is winning or losing. You're actually looking purely at the statistical side of it and what the output is statistically by that player. So I think you've got to um, – and, and, and on top of that, as a footy fan, if you've got a side that you go for or – um, you're emotionally invested, which, you know, that's probably been my problem for the first two weeks this year. I had too many warriors in my side. But if you get too emotionally invested um, in players or in a team, then um, that can hurt you as well. Yeah, great shout, mate. 
Um, we'll throw now, I think we pretty well wrapped up last year's season, the plenty of advice there, done a great job on it. We'll jump to a few questions we got on social media and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I'll start with you, Desi, one from Vance Smith. BJ Leilua, a sell or just a hold and hope he comes right? <laughs> good question, good question. I think he's a sell. He's definitely a sell. I've seen enough from him. He's looking absolutely horrendous, I have to say. I think it's time to ship him off. One game too many already, I'd say. Walson, BJ? Oh, yeah, I think oh, I got rid of him pretty early. So, yeah, I think he was a bit of a mistake. Well, I will say one thing, Timmy, before we go on to the next question, but a, a lot of people have asked me about um, the actual final round and how it went down. Oh, yeah, far away. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty interesting because before the final round, um, I remember saying a few things to, to Des because in round 23 I was leading and then he took over in round 24 and we're going into the final round and I actually said to him, oh, geez. I feel a lot lighter now. Like like when I went when I hit the lead with two rounds to go, um, he said the same thing. He said, "Oh, I don't feel as much pressure now." And he was sending me things like "Heavy lies the crown." And <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sent him a, I sent him a message back. And I said, "I feel like I'm running away from you in quicksand." Like that's like like I was like he he was breathing down my neck. But um, when it came to the final round, I was like, well, I've got this far. I've got nothing to lose. But in the back of your head, you're sort of thinking, and we also we also had that hedge agreement, but I was thinking, oh, well, I don't want to just give up four grand. Like, you know, I'd rather come second than come third. And um, coming into the last round, I only had one trade left. I'd kept one trade. And I had three things that I was considering doing. One was using the trade to bring in Pappenhausen, but... I was pretty sure that Des was going to do that. So I was like, well, that's not going to serve any purpose. And he did end up doing that. Um, so I just sat out that Friday night and hope Pappenhausen didn't go big. And I think he made 30 runs or something and got upgraded to 90. But at that time, the way he was playing, 90 was a pretty good result for me. So I kept me alive. Um, my second uh, option was to bring in Widdop and um, play him against the Titans. And... That was the one I actually ended up going for. And even though he got about, I think he ended up in live time, he got about 85. It wasn't enough and it downgraded to about 75 or 71 or something like that. Um, but my third option, and I've, I've got um, five brothers, and my eldest brother said to me, yep, this is what I should do. Because I said, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, oh, look, I want to take this real deep. I want to take it to the last game. And he said, yeah, you know, you should you should take Nathan Cleary. And, like, he's not a super coach person or whatever, and I considered it for a, a long time because I was thinking, no, nah, but I ended up going with Widdop. And if anyone remembers what Cleary did in that last round. Um, 85. Yeah, I think, I think he got one of the highest scores ever. So he scored four tries. But anyway, it would have been pretty ballsy to do that and it would have been a good finish. But what could have been, should have been. But Des deserved it. Um, I was just happy to be close close to him because with six six rounds to go, he was 300 ahead, and I just thought I'm playing for second year, so um, it worked out great. But yeah, mate, I thought I'd better tell that get that in because um, if you have asked, <laughs> I honestly that. thought I thought that he might have Captain Cleary because he was he was radio silent the whole last night. I, mm -hmm. I like we talked about the Witter play for quite a few weeks prior because it was obviously. It was a target round, Widdop against the Titans, final round, bring him in, captain him. It was a huge power play. But, yeah, I, 
I really wasn't sure what he'd done until I saw like a screenshot of his team. And I wasn't sure if third, if third place could have done it as well. You never know. I, I'm, I would have considered doing it in his position, certainly, because I'm a fan of Cleary. I reckon, yeah, he's got that ceiling that could have just taken it away. But thankfully, he didn't do it. So for that reason alone, Des, the captaincy of Cleary, which it was the last game of the round, when did you know that he'd won? Probably, like, yeah. Yeah, pretty much the screenshot confirmation of uh, Walson's team and, and the guy who was coming third as well. He, he, just, he just hung around like a, you know, me and Walson were just like, yeah, come on, can this guy just get lost, you know, because he, he kept on getting saved by a couple of crutch players, Mamalo especially, he just kept him in it the whole way through. And we just wanted to break away, but yeah, he, he never let us go. Credit yeah, him. I think, I think, um, Desi got a screenshot and he's like, oh, good play, you played Widdop. And, and that was after the game. So he sort of knew that he'd, he'd beat, beaten me then. And I went for my last available play possible, which was um, I didn't play Ponga. Um, I took Ponga out and I played Liam Martin. And Liam Martin at that stage was coming off the bench, so it was a real Hail Mary. I was just thinking if Ponga goes out there, breaks his leg, and Liam Martin goes and scores two tries off the bench. You know, maybe I'll get close enough to Des. I think I end up. I ended up. Um, Des won by fifty nine points. So um, I needed a bit of a miracle. Des had Clemmer in that game as well, and he got he got a fairly good score. So, but yeah, the third place. I don't think you knew the third place for a while, Des. I think you were waiting on that, and you were scouring around forums and this bloke. Yeah who came third, he wasn't involved in anything, so Des was sweating it out. And at the time I was thinking, well, there's every chance. It, my score wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that good, so I was thinking there's every chance I'll get caught here after we'd have um, downgraded, but ended up, I think there was a gap of 134 points from from second to third, so he didn't have a great round. Third, nothing to worry about. Des, what were you doing that Sunday afternoon watching that game, having a 1,000 beers? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. <laughs> it sounds like it, though. Sounds like I definitely, yeah. I was I was going to go to the uh, Leichhardt game, um, but, yeah, I just decided it's a bit too much on the line. I just want to relax, stay in the comfort of my own home, get comfortable, settle up. Mate, you would have been as, as plotless as that that cowboy, you know, the Tigers fan, he yells out first and from the, from the Leichhardt. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you were thinking that day trying to watch the footy. Oh. Yeah. No, it's good stuff, lads. It was a hell of a year, and you you've got a pretty good title to your name, both of you. So, no, good stuff. Um, and and if you've got any more questions for for these fellas, just hit them up on there. They're both on Twitter, um, or drop them in the Facebook comments if you don't have Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and we'll we'll get the questions to them, and and we can go from there. Uh, wrap it up with just a couple more questions. This one's for you, Walson, and it's a really good question from Ted Woods. If you have Warriors players, is this stiff shit or not? They'll be coming over here and we'll probably have to stay here. Yeah, I think it is really. I mean, I don't think so, – some people suggested uh, when I put that poll out, there's a fair bit of interest in that. Like I think about 300 people came back and, and voted in what they thought should happen with the trades. And there's a lot of comments and some people said, oh, you know, for certain teams or if people get injured or – you know, for whatever, or if people, uh, if there's teams that have to relocate, then you get unlimited trades for them. But I think that's too convoluted. I think they'll keep it really, really simple. 
um, because you've got to consider they've got to keep it within a game structure. Um, so I I think it is just if stiff pickies. Like I'm sitting in with my side at the moment with Fusatua, Chanel, Arish Tavita, and Tua Vasa Shek. And Tua Vasa I'm happy to hold for a week, but I can't re- get rid of the the other two quick enough, really. Um, so uh, I think it's going to be a really tough season for the Warriors. Yeah, I think you're right. The only thing out of it that may potentially do some good, if they can, if they are playing over here, maybe they're a bit more dry track football. But I mean, it, it is tough, isn't it? Um, and as you said, there's nothing we can do about it. It's just a ridiculous year with with what's happened across the board. So you can't be too bitter about anything. Some people are going to be luckier than others. It is what it is. Uh, a question from Wade Spear. Throw to you, Des. Cam Murray, I know what you're going to say here because you're, you're a Cam Murray basher and unfortunately we proved right, but Cam Murray for Isaiah, you go, yes or no? Uh, you know what, I'm going to say no. Ooh. I, I've backflipped. I, like, looking back on my 2019 season, I, I can't bash Cam Murray anymore. Like, it, it was one of those last couple of weeks that he got me back into the lead. He scored a double or something like that, and Walson didn't have him. So, I, yeah, Cam Murray, I love the bloke to death. But I, I can't say do that trade. I'm going to say not. Yeah, Walson, would you be doing Murray to Yo? Oh, yeah, it hurt, it hurt me, actually, not having Cam Murray last year because he he's a player that oh, he'd be one of my favourite, you know, top five players, but he had that lull during origin, so I had to get rid of him, and then I couldn't get him back in my side. But, um, yeah, I, actually, I, I had done my trades before they suspended the season. Oh, well, they sort of suspended the season when you on Sunday, but I'd, I've gone in there and I did my trades, and one of them was Cam Murray to Yo, uh, yep. with a view of sit him in the second row and play him, um, and then next week get rid of Fusatour or someone like that. It was just about freeing up some money. Um, I've reversed that now because obviously we don't know what the trades are and we're going to have a look. But, yeah, it's one that I'm considering. It's just I thought he would go better on the edge and um, he'd get some good clean ball off Cody Walker and things like that. It hasn't really worked out like that. And they look a little bit clunky, South Sydney. Um, and, yeah, the, the one who's been sort of, really poor and he looks a little bit underweight is um Braden Burns I'm not sure what hap- what's happened to him this year but um yeah he, he hasn't played well at all the first two rounds but yeah I, I wouldn't be I, I'd probably be getting yo in although you have to consider that um are there are there players coming back for yeah. Capewell yeah 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 so Capewell's coming back and he might he might push for some minutes but yo's in career best form like it's come at the worst time for him. I've never seen him play better footy than the first two weeks. So hopefully he can come back and keep it up. And you're right. It's, it's there. There are two plays that the, the break's going to have massive implications on because I know Cam Murray and the, the Bunnies are only going to get another three or four weeks to train together additionally, but that's still three or four weeks that they can work on this combination rather than it went straight from round two to round three. So I think that should help Cam Murray and his combination, particularly with Cody Walker. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm tempted to hold Murray just because of the upside. And I'm, I'm, Yo is ticking every box. I'm just not sure with Billy Army kick out there, 
Liam Martin's pretty highly regarded at the club. They've got Fisher Harris in, at lock. Um, they've got Kurt Capewell coming back, who was, I think, 18th or 19th man for the Maroons last year. Something's got to give. And as you said, Yo was killing it before it happened. So maybe he just keeps his minutes, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but Murray's a hold for me. Uh, Rugby League Graphics does some awesome artwork on Instagram, this fella. Um, says, asks, I currently have Takiyaho. Is it worth trading to a Twal, Leilua or Trebojevic or do I just leave him? Des? Yeah, I, I like Twal. I've, I've been over him in a couple of my articles. I, I think he's a huge pod and if he gets some attacking stats, his numbers could go through the roof. I think he's definitely one that you could trade to. You could definitely bring in Gerbo as well. Um, I, I think he's just he's safe and sound. You know what you're going to get from him and it's probably going to be Probably going to be good. So, yeah, I'd, I'd look to offload him. Yeah, Trebojevic was a guy who also was lucky to play around one, which is off-season injury. So he's another guy who will benefit from, from this extended break. And you know his attitude. He'll come back fit as and fitter than most other players. So he'll be all good. Uh, Wilson, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, I think in one of the earlier podcasts I, I talked about, I, I'm, I've sort of gone off Gerbo super coach wise I think he's, his potency has gone down and, um, I think I looked at the stats and, you know, his try scoring has gone down progressively over the last three years and, and that's affected his super coach scores. Brilliant defender, obviously. Um, so I'd be more inclined to have a look at Twal. I think Twal's a player who's on the up. Um, the only concern that I would say uh, or disclaimer would be those first two rounds, sort of there was some injury uh, HIA sort of things that went on. I think McKaylee got injured and someone else got injured and you've got same Musgrove there on the bench as well. But there's a lot of uh, the makeup of the side is going to be interesting for the Tigers. They're, they're a in, very interesting super coach relevant side this year, the Tigers. Like I think I saw Wacko's um, uh, whispers, you know, predicted teams for round three and, sort of raised my eyebrows when I saw that he had Billy Walters still at starting hooker. If they train for a month with Harry Grant in that squad, I can't see how Harry Grant isn't starting hooker and playing 80 minutes straight up. And and for me, I've got two targets that I want to get into the side ASAP when we get back, and one's Harry Grant and one's Connor Watson. Yeah, that, um, yeah. Billy Walters to Harry Grant in two rounds' time will probably be the most popular trade in Supercoach, provided Grant does get the starting role and plays big minutes. Um, on the question, I, I don't mind Takiyaho, to be honest. I, I think he's a good pod to have. Um, he's, he wasn't enormous the first two weeks, but he was solid enough. Boyd Cordner will be back, who will slot into the back row, which could push Crichton into a bit more of a, a middle role, which could eat a few of Takiyaho's minutes, but... Crichton's also not an out-and-out big fella, so it, it shouldn't impact him too much. But I don't mind the idea of holding on to Takiyaho. Twal, there's a concern with minutes. Leilua, there's a job security issue. And Chaboyevic, Walson touched on already. Uh, Scotty D, wrapping up the, the podcast and the review of last year, Des, who was the one pod that you brought in last year that made the biggest difference to your team? Who was the man? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tavita Pangai Jr. Honestly, it was just the perfect timing on him. He, I mean, he got sin binned in that last game when I I got rid of him, but 
that Terry went on over about seven or eight rounds, averaged about a hundred. I I can't go past him. Uh, I I'd say he's he's um, yeah he was my best pod. Manu Mau was probably my best trade in, but he wasn't a massive pod. Not as not as big as Pango was. Yeah, TPJ, the old super coach Enigma. He's a hard bloke to catch. Wilson, your biggest pod of the year? Yeah, I had a lot of pods. I mean, I think starting with RTS was was a good lead up for me. Um, Corey Harawira Nera, um, he had a massive score in there, and uh, I think it was. Did he get 141 or something? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, I, I, I sort of found myself checking whether that was last year or the year before, but um, I think he I think he got like 141 and hardly anyone had him and that sort of skyrocketed me up there and helped me uh, get into the rankings. So he, he was a good one to have and he scored some. The, it, the biggest thing for him was, you know, job security and that with uh, Dean Pay mucking around with him and Reese Martin and things. But, um, but I would say both of them were really good, but the biggest and the best pod that I had was Adam for Noel Blake. And I know Des got him in the week. Uh, I think the week after I got him in, um, but he was a pod that not many people had. And for mine, from a pure NRL point of view, he's close to the best front rower in the game. Like um, it's hard to go past Payne Haas for the for the amount of minutes he outputs and he, and how good he is um, offensively. But yeah, Adam Fanil Blake was was really good for me. Yeah, nice mate. I think. I mean, this is your podcast. No one gives a rat's about my 29 season, 2019 season. But while we are touching on CHN, fair income. I got him in that week after his 141. It was just before the round 12 buy. They played the Raiders in that week. So he was a real pretty popular buy. I remember sitting at ANZ before the Raiders Bulldogs game, sitting at the bar there watching the reserve grade. And I've just seen CHN crash over for a try and just going, mate, you are meant to be playing first grade. It just killed me. He got dropped for playing up off the field or turning up to training late or something stupid. I don't know. Yeah. On that same week, John Bateman returned out of nowhere, who everyone had traded two or three weeks (laughs) early because he was meant to be out for two months. Mate, that was savage. (laughs) (laughs) It can be a cruel game sometimes. I mean, I've just sort of – Look at it like even though I didn't win, I'm sure Daz feels more like it than I did, you know. But um, and I'll always be sort of searching for that win, probably for as long as I play it for the rest of my life. But I'm sort of playing with house money now because I've had that year that, you know, I I, I just had that unbelievable run, and I think you got to appreciate that you get a lot of luck go your way because. You know, to be able to average 100 with captains and not get any injuries and, you know, not have a player play, you know, a bad game where they got – I don't think I had a captain that scored under 60, um, you know, and, and then to be up there with a chance of winning one or two decisions away, yeah, I, I sort of count myself as pretty lucky. That's it, mate. And at the end of the day, you you start the season playing super coach for the fun of it, like sport or any of that, and – to, fi- to finish the year with a, a cash prize, you're absolutely laughing and the notoriety of being a runner-up in a, a competition with 150,000 other people. It's some serious stuff. Um, anyway, lads, great chat tonight. I learned a heap out of it, then I'll be listening to it again to get more tips out of it. Uh, Des, thanks for that, mate. No problem. Cheers for having me on. Hope to be back on soon. Good days, mate. And Walson, cheers. 
Yeah, thanks, thanks Timmy. Thanks, um, Des. Uh, you're looking forward to the season starting, hopefully, and we can, um, yeah, hopefully we've got a competition structure in a couple of weeks when uh, people are finished listening to our podcast and we can start talking about trades and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, mate. Can't wait for it. All right, hope it helped out a little bit tonight, guys. Thanks for listening.